Okay, so we are doing now the portion of Ha'azinu, which is, so to speak, Moshe's song, the song of warning the Jews what will be of testifying to the sins they're going to commit, the punishments that will come, and then in the end how God will heal them, will take vengeance for them, and will bring them back to the land of Israel with Messiah. So we're up to chapter 32, verse 13. He would have him ride on the heights of the earth, and he would eat the ripe fruits of the field. He would suckle him with honey from a stone and oil from the hardness of a rock. So this is all talking about the blessings that God is going to give. So the first comment of Rashi in this verse is that the entire verse should be understood as the Targum Onkelis translates it. So Onkelis explains it. He sconed them on the strongholds of the land and fed them the spoils of their enemies. He gave them the spoils of the rulers of town and possessions of the inhabitants of the mighty cities. Now, Rashi does not explain the verse this way at all. He explains the details very differently from Uncleus, but what he's saying here is that just as Uncleus is looking at all this as blessings that will happen when the nation of Israel will dwell in the land of Israel, so too Rashi is looking at this verse as all these great blessings that God will give us when we dwell in the land of Israel, meaning we're beginning here this song showing how good care God takes for us and how he gives us all these blessings and he gives us total goodness. But then the Jewish people rebel. The Jewish people denounce God. The Jewish people sin. And then comes the punishment. And then after the punishment that we go through, after all the hard things we go through, then we have God regretting or reconsidering when God sees how much we're suffering and then God comes, and even though we sin, but God comes and saves us. And God, as I said, takes vengeance from our enemies and heals the Jews, helps the Jews, and ultimately brings us the time of the Messiah. So this verse is still talking about in the beginning when God brings us to Israel and how many blessings on all levels he gives to us. You see, Uncleus looks at it as blessings in terms of almost political strength, and Rashi's looking at it more in agriculture. As Rashi says, he would have him ride means recalling Israel the heights of the earth because it says Israel was the highest of all the land. He would have him eat the ripe fruits of the field, meaning the fruits of the land of Israel, which are called, which are very quick. They're quicker to develop and ripen than the fruits of all the other land. It said he would suckle him with honey from a stone. So there was an incident recorded in the Talmud of someone who said to his son, bring me cut figs from the barrel. So the boy goes, and he sees it's a barrel of honey. There's no figs. And the man said, no, 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 stick your hand into it, and you'll bring up cut figs, meaning even from these dried figs, so much honey came forth that looked like a barrel of honey. So this is the honey from the stone. And from oil from the hardness of a rock, Rashi says, these are the olives of Gush Chalav. The Kufshchalov was a town in the Galil, in the Galilee, that had such rich oil. Um, there was so much oil processed in that town. And he translates two words, and he says, the hardness of the rock is the firmest and strongest part of the stone. Which, in Hebrew, there's a word halamish, and this says chalmish. 
Columbish is the noun. It's just vocalized as the word itself. But when it's the hardness of, then we pronounce it Chalmish. As we're going to see Rashi commenting similarly in the next verse. Now the next verse. Cream of cattle and milk of flock with fat of fattened sheep, ram, son of Bashan, and he goes with fat of kidneys of wheat. You shall drink blood of grapes with delicious flavor. Here's another verse of all the blessings God's going to give us here. So, and Rashi basically explains that these are either talking about during the times of Solomon or during the times of the ten tribes. So the cream of cattle and milk of flock, Rashi says is in the days of Solomon. So we know the verse says ten fattened cattle and twenty cattle left to graze and a hundred of the flock. This was a daily amount of food consumed by Solomon's household. It's a matter of how much they had to be able to eat that much in one day. With the fat of fat and sheep is in the days of the ten tribes. With the fat of kidneys of wheat, this was in the time of Solomon, where it says one day's bread for Solomon's household was 30 core of sifted flour and 60 core of unsifted flour. So again, a tremendous, tremendous amount. And you would drink blood of grace with delicious flavor. This is in the times of the ten tribes. The cream of cattle it means the fat that skimmed from the top of the milk. And the milk of flock, well, here also Rashi says milk is chalav. But when it's milk of, it's constructed that way, it becomes chalev. Like here, the milk of the flock. Um, the number of these are translating. The children of Bashan are we specifically saying the rams are children of Bashan because these were very fat rams because Bashan had very excellent pasture land for grazing the sheep. And kidneys of wheat, meaning fat kernels of wheat, like the fat of kidneys and thick as kidneys. You would drink the blood of grapes, is you would drink good wine, and taste the fine wine. So the word in Hebrew, it says, v'dam enav tishteh chamer. So chamer is wine in Aramaic, but in our verse that wouldn't make sense, because then it would be redundant to the blood of grapes you would drink as wine. doesn't make sense. So Rashi says it's not a noun, but it means like an adjective modifying the wine. It's describing it as wine, excellent in flavor. And then, Rashi says, after all this, he could explain these two verses. As Unclus translates them, he settles them in the strongholds of the land. He gives them the spoils of their kings and rulers with the riches of their nobles and lords, the people of their land and their heritage with the spoils of their army and their camps, and the blood of their warriors should be spilled like water. So this is implying here, in other words, we said before that Rashi was saying Unclus' basic point that these verses of blessings are talking about when the Jews are in Israel is correct, but he tremendously changed the details because we're looking at more as like political strength, uh, strength of their army, and Rashi was looking at everything in an agricultural way. Here, Rashi's quoting again and saying he also agrees with the details, meaning he's giving one way of looking at it. These are all blessings of agriculture, of produce, of the flocks, of the, of the animals, it also could mean of the strength of their armies and of their relationships with the other nations, and that also works. That's also correct. So this was the last verse, just talking about all the initial blessings God gives us. He loves us. He takes such care of us. He does such good for us. And then what happens? We have three famous Hebrew words. In the Hebrew, three words. Yishman, Yeshurun, Vayivat. And Yeshurun, which is a term referring to the Jewish people, became fat and kicked meaning we had it really, really good. We came fat, which nowadays might not be a compliment, but then was considered like, oh, wow. 
you're such blessed you become fat. That's amazing. And we kicked. We rebuilt. You became fat. You became thick. You became corpulent. And he deserted God, his maker, and degraded the rock of his salvation. So kisisa is the idea of covered. Like the fat is covering over the person's body. And you degraded the rock of your salvation. You disgraced God. You turned your backs to God. It says that in the time of the temple, they turned their backs to God and they were bowing to the gods of the sun, so to speak. So they're degrading God in the presence of God in the temple. They're bowing to idolatrous gods. They would provoke his fury with strangers. They would anger him with abominations. So yakni uhu, which other commentators look at the root word kina, jealousy, Rashi does not look at it that way because Jealousy means efficiency, inferiority. That can apply to God. But it means anger. They made his wrath and fury burn with abominations, with abominable acts, like homosexuality, like witchcraft, abominations. They were slaughtered to demons without power, gods whom they knew not. Newcomers recently arrived whom your ancestors did not dread. This is here. This verse and the verse before and the verse before. These three verses and continuing the next verse, all of these verses, discussing the what the Jews did, their sins, their rebellion against God. So there's certain idols that don't have any power. They, there was no usefulness. If you at least served a God that had some usefulness to you, it wouldn't be as bad. Now it's like completely crazy. You're, you're abandoning God who gives you everything to gods that are nothing. Newcomers recently arrived that even the other nations don't know these gods. And if they would see them and say, oh, this is a Jewish idol. Like the Jews serve this idol. We don't know from this idol. Sarum is like the root word, our hair, that your ancestors didn't fear them because if someone's scared, their hair like stands up. Or Sarum could have like the root word of Seirim, which is like demons, that the Seirim will dance there. And that's interesting because this word Seir actually means he goes. Because those people, when they would visualize these forces, they visualize them as he goes. So these are our forces that, that your ancestors didn't make them. Your ancestors didn't deify them. You're, you're, you're starting your own new stuff here. That you're, it's, not, it's not your heritage. It's not what you got from your parents. It's not what you got from your grandparents. You're just rebelling against God that everyone served and loved and gave you so much good, and you're just rebelling and starting your own new thing. You ignored the rock who gave birth to you and forgot God who brought you forth. So you forgot, meaning God comes to do good to you, but you cause anger before him and you're weakening him. In other words, on a simple level, teshi means you forgot. But it also means weakness. You're weakening his strength, but he can't do good for you because you're sinning, so you're not allowing him to have the strength to do the good that he wants to do for you. The God who brought you forth is kel maholeka. So either it means he brought you forth, brought you out of the womb. Like it relates to the word of pangs of labor, like a woman in childbirth. So God brought you forth from the womb. God did so much good for you. And now you're weakening him so much he can't do good for you because of all your sins. 